Welcome to The Medium, a podcast presented by Tommy Media that's all about what's happening in the art and entertainment world. On today's show, we talk popular celebrity and entertainment fan theories, and we catch up with the latest news in the arts and entertainment. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from KUST Campus Radio, a student-operated, non-commercial radio station. KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in at any time to KUST at Mixler.com slash KUST hyphen radio. Welcome, everyone, to the last episode of season two. I'm Reed. I'm Maddie. And today we're talking about theories. Now, not just, you know, physics theories or (laughs) theory of relativity. No, no, we're going to be talking about film theories. And also not conspiracy theories. We right. have another podcast for that. Tommy Media has a whole different hot takes. Yes, exactly. This is entertainment theories. This is the most entertaining entertaining theories. Ooh. Yes. Um, so for those of you who aren't aware, and I feel like this is kind of a wide known thing. There are such things as fan theories. Uh, and everyone can have a fan theory about anything, virtually anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, what makes popular fan theories I guess popular fan theories <laughs> is that they have some sort of evidence to back them up and that it, they're kindly kind of widely known throughout uh, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into some examples, but it's virtually a fan theory is something that isn't confirmed by the director or the studio, but there's enough evidence and it's kind of fun to come up with it too. If there's evidence, um, of some underlying plot or underlying story behind certain movies or sometimes even TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're strictly sticking to movies because there's plenty of popular film theory movies out there. So, Well, like you said, um, they're not necessarily true or like explicitly correct, but I just think they're fun. And I think like... If anything, it can add to the viewing experience. Yeah. It doesn't take away from it at all most of the time. Uh, it's it's putting more thought into mm-hmm. a film. It's putting an extra layer of entertainment, I guess. Um, and I don't know. It, like, why do people find conspiracy theories fun or entertaining? I, uh, that's a genuine cl- question. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, like, I'm not I, into conspiracy theories, but I love film theories. I mean, I think it's a way to interact with it more instead of just sitting there watching it, credits roll, okay, done. You get to, especially if it's something you enjoy, it makes you feel like you get to be a part of it and you get to enjoy it more, just plain and simple. Interesting. It's it's like fill in the pieces, yeah, I guess. Yeah, of, especially of when there are movies that are blatantly filled with evidence but also not quite clear like it allows Very ambiguous yeah, yeah yeah it allows the audience to be a part of it and yeah. have like a dialogue about it and i think uh film fan theories are more uh they're more reliant on films that aren't directly interpretive mm-hmm. um there's some movies out there that are like at the end of the movie you're like what happened the like the film directly asks you like what do you think happened mm-hmm. um and I think Inception is one of them. We'll get into that a little later. But then there's other, I th- think primarily fan theories rely on finding ambiguity mm-hmm. almost. The fact that it is ambiguous allows for these to exist in the first place. Yeah. But then that also 
from like both sides of an argument can be evidence in that they'll be like oh well it doesn't not say that's it but they're like yeah but it doesn't say it is either so yeah it just kind of <laughs> adds true, fuel yeah. to the fire like it allows for that to happen but then it also is very restrictive in that you can't definitively say anything yeah it's a, it's most a dis- of the time. it's a discussion too it, it invites yeah. discussion and i don't know theorizing is fun it's, fun. it's interesting yeah, i think so yeah um I, don't so we're know. Gonna I, I guess it's if you're into like puzzles or like trivia mm-hmm. that's kind of what that is it's it's an open-ended question and it allows you to fill in the blanks yeah so we'll start with i think a pretty well-known one but it's also a pretty well accepted one which is the pixar theory the pixar theory. and this exists among a lot of i don't know franchises and companies and directors and whatever but it's basically saying that all the pixar movies are in a timeline they're in the same world granted they can be different periods thousands of of years apart sometimes like evolutionarily distant but nonetheless they exist in the same line um the it kind of it was made before i don't remember what year exactly but one a youtube channel the super carlin brothers they kind of made it popular because they did it in video form like they just explained a theory that was already presented and people were watching it through that but since then it's been expanded with every new Pixar movie that comes out and it kind of just depicts like going from like humans to machines like the cars and then there's monsters at some point obviously to account for like Monsters Inc and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but it's dovetailed or it's made possible by the character Boo from Monsters Inc oh she is actually the witch in Brave the really old witch (laughs) that's her and because there's like a carving of Sully in the witch's hut. And so basically they're saying, well, obviously this old witch from long ago Europe, Scotland or whatever, can't know about a monster that exists how many thousands of years in the future. So it has to be Boo and she's like a time traveling witch. And so she revolves around the end of this timeline and everything falls in between. Oh, my God. I didn't even know. She and that was a, and it explains all man. the like. The Luxo ball is and everything. The Pizza Planet truck. Like, it gives a fun way for all these Easter eggs to come together into a greater story. Yeah. Um, so but this doesn't – sorry, I'm interrupting. But this doesn't seem very controversial to me. I'm like, yeah, if it they are or not, it doesn't really matter. I think it's, it's fun. It's yeah, cute. I don't know if it's been confirmed. But I think definitely certain, certain movies in the Pixar universe has been confirmed as mm-hmm. interconnected. Um, and – I want to bring up an example of what we mean by evidence from our previous discussion. Go for it. Um, you mentioned the oh, the pizza truck. What is it? Pizza Planet. Pizza Planet. So explain. Originally in Toy Story. Okay. Explain what the Pizza Planet like piece of evidence is for this theory for our viewers. Or well, I'm going to pretend like I didn't say viewers. Viewers. You can view the home screen while you're <laughs> Well, yeah. Um. Well, again, it was in Toy Story, and it's just, like, a typical, like, delivery pizza truck. But then it started to appear in, like, other movies. But then there was also, I think they were, granted, this is within the Pixar, or the, excuse me, within the Toy Story movies. The guy, or Sid from the first movie. Yeah, he's in all of them. Ends up being, like, the delivery driver in Toy Mm -hmm. Story 3, which is just, like, oh, yeah, span of time. So that's not really, like, Pixar. But I remember, like, there's a scene in Coco where the car drives outside their house. I'm like, there's Pizza Planet in Mexico. Look at that. And But that's years after the Toy Story movies, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to 
trying to think what's the one that's not that doesn't have humans i think uh was it ant's life has Bu- oh bugs life or bug jeez i haven't watched a pixar movie was in that a while. before or after toy story and according to this timeline it's way after oh oh i'm thinking of when it came out though oh i don't know i don't remember no, but it, in sorry, the timeline toy, toy story was their first animated movie okay okay yeah yeah so it would be somewhere in a bug's life i don't remember where it's been a lot, while since i've seen that right but so, so there you go it's kind of like an easter egg that's followed throughout um i think easter eggs are primarily like the main source of evidence for yeah there's nothing super strong here of like direct connection between movies i think pixar does a good job of having a wide range of movies and characters and such Mm -hmm. but in this case again i don't think it's hurting anything just to kind of have fun with like they're all connected (laughs) talking animals and talking cars (laughs) I don't know. It's very satisfying thinking that there's this interconnected universe. Mm-hmm. I guess like I will. They're not stand. <laughs> they're together. They're not standalone. Yeah. Like the creators put so much more thought than w- than yeah. is initially shown. I guess. So we'll explain though how Monsters Inc. came to be. Basically, it was whatever humans were left on Earth in like the Wally era evolved into monsters, and then when the real humans came back from space they like interacted because like the monsters and monsters inc still interact with regular humans right so it was like a certain type of human evolved <laughs> into an, like it's kind From of a stretch on, uh, yeah but again it, all, it's all film interesting theories are a bit of a stretch that's fair all right let's move on all right let's to, go on yeah so that that was kind of that's the, a general theory that is the that's probably one of the biggest theories out there is the pixar theory so we kind of we kind of pulled a bunch of different ones so a couple small ones that we'll just kind of rattle through smaller here. i don't not rattle through, but I mean, just like I'm not saying small either. There's some bigger ones fair. in here, um, but no, these are popular ones we've heard of and like subscribed to a little bit. Um, now, the second one is Inception. Yeah, hot take. Okay, there's an idea that the whole movie itself, like the non-dream sequences of the movie, is still a dream that Cobb is in. I fully believe in this. There's evidence, nonetheless, to prove it. So. Yeah, that's what's the evidence of this? Because I'm I don't know if I subscribe to this one. Well, there's just a lot of things that are way too convenient. Like, For one, all the main characters, the initials of their names spell out dreams. Whoa, could just be a cool detail, but I'm saving the big evidence. Oh, actually, it. real quick, they're all named after like his not historical but mythological characters. Apparently, that's pretty cool. Because when's the last time you met someone named Cobb? Dom Cobb. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's anyways. Continue. Okay, so. The song that they use to wake people up, it's a French song by Edith Piaf, and it is like two hours and some minutes and some seconds. If you look, and every single bit of music in that movie is from that song, either sped up, slowed down, altered, whatever, but the the total runtime of the film is the exact, to the time, hour, minute, seconds long, as this song okay and so that evidence is saying that the song plays when you're in a dream to remind you you're in a dream so the whole time this movie's playing it's this music is playing so there it is and then also it's the length of the song and you're like whoa okay you're in a dream the whole time the song's playing and the song is okay anyway but <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying but then the big thing is Cobb uses 
his totem is the top. And now everyone's always like, oh, did the top fall over or not at the end? Is he in a dream? It fell over. That doesn't matter at all if it fell over or not. Pretty sure because the biggest rule about totems is you do not tell people how they work. Because as soon as you do, they know how it's supposed to function in a dream or in reality. And you are never supposed to steal another person's totem idea. What does he do? He steals Maul's totem. who he, So he knows how it works. She knows how it works because it's her totem. And he all of a sudden adopts this as his way as a remembrance of his wife. Okay, sir, your wife knows that that's how it works. And so she's trying to tell you that you're in a dream and he's not doing it because they're still in her dream from when they were like dream jumping back years ago. Like in limbo. Yeah. So Holy he's still cow. in a second level because that's not his totem. She knows how it works. And so if he knows that and she knows that, he can like spin it and be like, oh, yeah, see, it's falling over because he wants to believe that it's reality, but it's not. He's so deep in limbo. He's so deep in it. And he's so like convinced himself. Like he he talks about how he incepted the idea for his wife. Like he put that idea in her head. He's done that to himself accidentally that he is in reality and she killed herself. But she didn't. Man, that is... um. <sighs> Dang, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of info to it <laughs> unpack. Is. We might need to just move on, but I'll. That is. There you go. Okay. Check it out. I, There's a whole book about it, a YouTube video, and just. Yeah, I, I would go encourage it. our yeah listeners to maybe check that oh, out. Oh um, wait, I just also okay. have to. I also have to say, add this. <laughs> Sorry, I. It's like a 45 minute video that I watch. Okay. When they're in Mombasa and he's running around trying to get out of the casino or whatever, it's very maze like. Yeah. And like the chips are misspelled and da 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 da. It's because when you're in a dream, it's very maze like. And then he gets stuck between those walls for no reason. There's enough space, but he's like, oh, I can't get through. Because in a dream, you're always like, you can't run places and you're trying to escape. So it's just like little convenient things that could lead to this theory. There's probably a lot that explains that it's not a dream. Yeah. But anyway. Deep breath. Maddie just Sorry. went all out on this theory and she's, uh, I'm <laughs> questioning it now. Okay. I just leave that there. Little applause thank you that was thank impressive you. um we'll move on to another one um <laughs> otherwise i'm gonna wow um this one's a little dark everyone prepare yourselves okay here we go i hope you're prepared willy wonk is a cannibal <laughs> dun 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 um so i wow i i this one is i picked this one because it first of all i i like these dark theories second of all it kind of makes sense. I'm going to explain it in a second. Third of all, I just love those contrasts. Like, oh, this fun children's movie. No, he's actually a murderous cannibal. And I was telling Maddie earlier, like, it's not very realistic if he's, like, just chomping on someone's leg. <laughs> um, no, he, like, the theory is he bakes the children into the chocolate. That's what makes the chocolate so good. Um, it's very evil, very, like, I don't know, like, fairy tale esque um, I think it's even better though because it's not just him being a cannibal; he's making other people. Cannibals. Yeah, it's it's super dark. Um, <laughs> but the main evidence of this is that uh, actually not main. Well, yeah, let's say main evidence. He's very okay with children dying or going missing in his factory. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like he's expecting this. In fact, he is expecting this because on the famous boat ride, which scared me as a child, um, there are a very limited amount of seats. And at that point, they had already lost several members of the crew. So he was expecting people to drop off the face of the earth. Um, This suggests that he was expecting people to die. 
why does he expect people to die in his factory? Because that's what makes the chocolate so delicious. Well, and also you never get it like. They don't die on screen, but you never get they information on where they go. They disappear, yeah. Famously, Blueberry they, lady, what happens to her? They go and juice her, obviously. Um, <laughs> well, uh, this doesn't account for the Tim Burton um, movie, but we're no. not going to – we're going to pretend like that one doesn't exist. Strictly canon here. This is str- str- we're talking Gene Wilder. May he rest the in icon. peace. The icon. The icon. The original Willy Wonka. Um, yeah, so – that is, or excuse me, not only the boat, but that weird the car, vehicle. The, at the car. The end, it gets all the foam on it. Exactly. So and no, then it's clean. And that one's so far along where they've lost so many members that it's very obvious that he's like, oh, okay. Just it would be too convenient. It's otherwise. very, it's very convenient. So food for thought when food, you watch. Oh, food pun for intended. thought. Oh, Whoa. More like chocolate and thought. Stop. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Moving. Let's uh, go to the next one. M- let's go to the next one. All right. You explain. So I chose this one uh, as well. Uh, this is Quentin Tarantino. Um, this is a broad one. Uh, and I think he actually confirmed it. He did. Um, I believe. And it is that all his films are connected. They're all in the same universe. Similar to Pixar. Similar to Pixar. I kind of like this better, though, than Pixar. What is that? Just because they, it seems more realistic to me. or like Definitely. Well, I like yeah. the connections better. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, there's no like talking monsters and yeah, ants and yeah. whatnot. But like those are children's movies. Um, so obviously this could take place in the real world uh, very easily because uh, it's all very realistic. I think there's only one movie that has like, or there's uh, there's not two movies that have like alternative history moments, mm-hmm. um, which don't really affect the timeline that much. Um, but the biggest piece of evidence is a Easter egg, uh, which um, supports the fact that they're all linked. Is that uh, in every movie, um, someone is seen smoking a red apple cigarette or ordering a red apple cigarette. Uh, this is a brand that does not exist in the real world. Mm-hmm. except exists solely in the Tarantino universe. Um, and this is what led people to question whether all these movies are connected. And Mr. Tarantino himself has, I believe, said that they are, in fact, connected. It's fun. It it's doesn't harm cool. the films that he makes. Um, and he clearly puts... he. It's very evident that he puts the cigarettes in there to begin with mm-hmm. as a Easter egg, as a nod to the audience. I like it, though, because it is just like a subtle little thing that mm-hmm. kind of creates this world yeah. around it. But it's not in your face like, oh, look at this character. I li- yeah. Like I said, it's a nice nod. And it's more re- uh, it's more realistic that a single person creating these movies mm-hmm. is connecting these movies like, rather I'll- than like a whole studio with a rotating mm-hmm. An example staff. of a connected universe that i did not like was unbreakable split oh yeah the m night Shyamalan. glass yeah because yeah. like i think unbreakable trash. and split i never saw mr glass but those like split could have definitely stood on its own mm-hmm. it did not need that last scene it did not need to get tied into it we could talk about like studios trying to create these because now it's universes. like a fad to it's have a, fa- it's a, a fad. universe Everyone, of movies and yeah. you don't need that everyone's trying to follow marvel i should put a dollar in a jar jar every time i bring up marvel you should but this is true like studios have been trying to replicate that and but i mean like to me those seem natural to be in the same universe because they're just like the comic books like the comic books always draw another character so that's not well then that far of a stretch to me but even like people there are disney connections other than pixar movies and people are trying to connect horror movies together i'm like i don't think you need all of that like that's true show of it um, I mean, these film theories prove that people 
enjoy that interconnectedness to a point like it's mm -hmm. fun to like yeah imagine that these are all in the same universe so i understand that um going about it is very difficult mm -hmm. um famously the universal studios they tried to link all the these monster movies together mm -hmm. and it failed so yeah. bad oh yeah um and dc did it to some extent um failed probably not as hard it was kind of cohesive but, but that's anyways. why like you if it's going to be naturally done or just kind of like subtle like just a pack of cigarettes then i think it works yeah um yeah and moving on um to our next theory this is again in our tarantino universe mm -hmm. um i enjoy this one immensely this is the pulp this is from pulp fiction um there is a famous MacGuffin, um which is like an item that everyone seeks kind of the plot revolves around it and it is this briefcase that our marcellus wallace wants and he mm -hmm. is the antagonist he's the big gangster um he sends uh sam jackson and i'm blanking on his name oh john travolta and john travolta to receive from a group of uh, young adults and um we glimpse the briefcase several times um each time it's opened there's a golden glow that comes from it but you never see what is inside the case mm -hmm. and every time every someone looks inside of it they're astonished mm -hmm. like you see like, like this, what is in this the, case? Yeah, yeah their their face is like like literally a glow mm -hmm. but also like they're they're amazed they're well. they're amazed they're amazed um uh, it's also at famously at the end of the movie it um cools off the tension between mm -hmm. the uh, the robbers mm-hmm uh, holding that heist um they show they show or sam jackson shows them what's inside the briefcase and calms the robber down um and a famous theory that i really i, I buy into is that it is marcellus wallace's soul that is in that case interesting um i had not heard of this until you told me about it it is suggested that uh wallace is perhaps a demon or the devil mm -hmm. that one's a little more extreme mm -hmm. but uh the soul bit is the evidence backing it up is that there's a band-aid on the back of his head that is <laughs> clearly shown uh throughout the movie and it's giving a quite a bit of screen time directly like in frame mm -hmm. um it's never explained as to why it's there um and it's suggested that that is how the soul was removed um second piece of evidence is that it glows like this kind of otherworldly thing a lot of times that like bright light that is bright associated with yeah a soul or something yeah mystical or heavenly secondly um the desperation of the characters to achieve that item um this is that is kind of a thinner piece of evidence but um there is immense there is an immense importance on this case um and if it was money i guess people care about money but it's also you can also make more money mm -hmm. um this is and the fact that we never see it suggests that it's something so amazing and so profound um i think there's other evidence to suggest that but i didn't list it list it anyways i love this theory mm -hmm. um very subtle but it yeah that it was just um, the briefcase was a very huge unexplained question in this gigantic gigantic movie mm -hmm. um so it's kind of fun to theorize what was in that um i really like this one so. yeah yeah all right we got a few more um the next is with ferris bueller's day off and thinking that 
Ferris himself is not real. It's just in Cameron's imagination, kind of like a fight club situation. Because um, Cameron is really the only one with a fleshed out arc, yep. sort of speak. He's the only one that has like a true problem, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and it doesn't account for a lot of his interactions with Ferris and like how is Ferris in the middle of this parade and everyone can see him and interactions Ferris has with other people that Cameron isn't involved with, but it could be Cameron's very wild imagination going through this day. Yeah. I think, um, part of it is like, it's, he's sick the entire time Mm -hmm. or he's sick a lot. So it suggests that maybe he's like hallucinating him because Mm -hmm. of his illness. But I think it is a situation where he's not as popular, so he creates this uh, figure in his head that is popular, this mm-hmm. person that he... tag along with. Yeah, exactly. Someone who he wants to be. Um, I think that's why, like, Ferris Bueller ends up doing all this, like, really wild and cool things. Like, he would be tackled if he ever, like, interrupted a parade like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that, there's no way someone could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's stuff like that where it's... Well, and it makes his, like... Because the whole time with his parents, you're like, how do you not know that this is fake? Like, it just seems so obvious. But granted, we're the ones watching him do all the setup for it. Yeah. But then it does add a lot of like, yeah, it's not the best. I don't know, like planning or like escaping or even when he's trying to get back to the house. Like, how is he bouncing on these trampolines and like running through all these yards? Yeah. So easily. But you see Ferris Bueller just feels superhuman the entire time. Yeah. So. Um, this next one I really love. However, it's kind of been dis- debunked with um a recent movie, so I still support Explain it. I don't it care. Anyway. Yeah, it is the James Bond theory. Um, James Bond is not a person but a code name. Um, and is used by each Bond actor. This would explain why so many actors who have pro- portrayed Bond, um, don't look like each other. Um, why they're using different actors. Um, and I, this is kind of a weak theory, but it's a fun one, and it could have easily been implemented into the movies um, if they wanted to keep supporting cast. So I think a lot of people were pulling for this idea. Um, so so is it, it just means that their name isn't actually James Bond, but they yeah. say they are. Yeah, it's okay. like so... And that like would doubles. be a way to make all these movies kind of connect instead of them being separate yeah. Bond series. So, um, was it MI6? MI- yeah. Yeah, MI6 would virtually, like, hire, or not hire someone, like, recruit someone, erase their identity, and then give them the name James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a Jane Doe. Yeah, Jane situation. Doe. Yeah, John Doe. Exactly. Um, and this would be a very easy way to segue into a new actor playing James Bond mm-hmm. uh, because obviously the actors age out and need to replace them. Mm-hmm. So people were really hoping this would happen with the Daniel Craig um, situation. Um, unfortunately, did not because in Skyfall, um, we go to James Bond's home, mm-hmm. uh, like his home, his I don't know, childhood home. And it, it clearly says like the Bond Manor. Mm. So he is clearly a person um, with an actual name with a background. So that kind of debunks the theory. Um, you could say he's just really committed. Or he's really committed. <laughs> I think it, it um, can live. Yeah. Um, so I think that was an unfortunate studio error. I think they <laughs> they had a really prime opportunity on their hand. Mm-hmm. But that that theory still kind of is still kind of popular. Um, I think it's d- fun. Despite that, yeah, it's fun. Um, 
it would help explain quite a few things. So mm-hmm. hopefully that that'll pop up in future movies. Cool. Yeah. Then we got a last one. This is kind of a joke one that I put in here. I just think it's hilarious and it kind it of funny. it messes with people because they don't understand it. Because frankly, I have no evidence other than one thing. But basically, there's an idea that certain people are immortal and they're just slow and you just can't explain it like they just they're immortal it's a whole vibe essence like feel whole thing and a lot of times it's based on old photographs from like the 1800s they'll find like these lookalikes of these actors and personally i don't buy that that much because i'm like okay most humans look alike like you can find that very easily chances of but i do like that there is some form of evidence because i can't explain it to me it's just like it's just a feel that these people are in the wrong time period. Yeah. But they probably still existed. Like they're so e- eccentric or so strange. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you're there's something weird. But they could be like aliens too. Like you like could that, have that picked that them lot. up yeah. and just plopped them here, and they're kind of like trying to figure out how to live. Yeah. But they still are so centered in what, where they were born, essentially. Um. So let's name a few. We kind of uh, did we discuss this last time a little bit? I mentioned it briefly at the end, but okay. then held off but a couple well-known or well-accepted ones are keanu reeves because apparently just like hasn't aged in 20 years which is fine john mulaney because like we were just talking about he has a very specific vibe that is not quite a 2019 vibe but he like fits in he's very but like if you if his short or not a shorts his specials were put in like grayscale you would think that they were filmed when grayscale was still yeah like a thing like it just makes sense his whole vibe is very timeless yeah yeah Um, exactly it's very yeah i would that's how i would explain it his vibe is timeless he seems displaced i guess yeah um and then another big one is anne hathaway because there's this whole thing that shakespeare's wife was named anne hathaway oh yeah and there was like some picture i get like again like a photo or a painting of his wife that looks very similar to anne hathaway and she also is just like timeless like she does all these movies she's been doing them for years Mm. hardly looks like she's aging like she's just so cool and so i wouldn't be surprised if she's been around since freaking 1500s i think my favorite one i just clicked on the link that you attached to our document here yeah i think my favorite one is the michael Sarah one yeah that beautiful face of his is the <laughs> same exact face of adolf hitler's mother so oh my god yep yeah. uh, i love that one <laughs> um obviously some of these are like great. there was um like uh, yeah there's daniel radcliffe was on the graham norton show a couple years ago and they were showing a bunch of photographs of him from the 17 18 1900s whatever and it's just it's just funny to like see all these things you're like oh look harry potter lived in 1850 no but yeah it's it's fun to like ooh maybe but yeah. it's so thin that it obviously yeah doesn't it's not as again real. it's fun to say it to people and then then be like what yeah it's, it's like, more oh, fun yeah. to bring it up and then see the reaction he's immortal um play devil's advocate a little bit yeah. with the discussion um so yeah that's fun um yeah so that kind of wraps up our fan theory uh discussion mm-hmm. uh I wonder what kind of fan theories everyone has out there. Uh, maybe you see an Easter egg in your favorite show or movie and you want to think, hmm, maybe there's something more to that. Uh, we should really have a discussion for it. I'd love that. That would be I'd fun. Love to just, just see the comments. Um, anyways, yeah. Uh, I did want to do one quick one quick segment here. Um, we are coming up, since this is our last episode of the season and we're coming up on January, at the end of the decade, 
I was going to end of the year too. I was going to ask Maddie, what, what are your favorite movies, TV shows of the last year, or maybe even the last decade? Let's keep it a little short, but (laughs) yeah. yeah. Um, What do you think is really just, it sticks out? God, that's so hard. I, okay. Would you like me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Let me think. All right, guys. I'm entering my fanboy persona. Okay. I'm ready for Marvel Overload. Marvel Overload. <laughs> Guys, Endgame. Endgame was the was the exclamation point on the biggest film franchise ever. Okay? And it was an amazing movie. It was done so perfectly. And I saw it in theaters. I, I, I laughed. I cried. I screamed in exhilaration when Captain America picked up Thor's hammer. I, 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 guys, I don't cry often, but when Tony Stark stop <laughs> snapped his fingers and gave his life <laughs> to save everyone, it was amazing. Um, no, in all seriousness, I think it is. Um, the film just represents all this, all the years and hard work and meticulous planning of Marvel Studios into a point Disney, namely, namely Marvel Studios, no. um, to create such an interconnected universe so so well and so likable um, and just ended on such an amazing note. And it's not necessarily ended, but this saga has ended. Mm-hmm. Um, we're entering a new phase. Um, and I'd like to give that a shout out. Um, as for art films, I think one of the uh, more interesting ones that I saw in the last year was the lighthouse um talked about that in our horror movie exactly yeah exactly mm-hmm. i'd love to give that a lo- another little shout out i talked about it a lot so you guys are gonna have to go back and watch or listen said watch again <laughs> listen watch to us the, yeah watch us uh listen to that episode um but no i think that was it's just a great follow-up to the witch which i also love mm. um it's just weird mind-boggling so beautiful in such a weird strange way um Nice. Yeah. Um. I'll give. Oh, oh, wait. 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 One more. One okay, more. Sorry. Keep, no. I, I no. Keep shout going. Out. Keep no, going. This is, sorry, guys. Real quick. I want to shout out one TV show this past year. And it's a very recent one. Um, The Watchmen, an HBO series, and it's a continuation of the famed graphic novel, uh, The Watchmen, and it is so good. Um, it tackles a lot of uh current like issues and our. Political social climate, um, while just masterfully using these existing characters, so I think it's really well done. It's I honest, I genuinely believe it's the next big HBO show. Dang. Yeah, it's already garnered quite a bit of popularity for only having, I think we're at seven or eight episodes. Um, well, season finale is this Sunday, and I'm very hyped. So I'd like love to give that a Check shout. Check that out. Yeah, there you go. All uh, right. Um, I'm just gonna give a general decade sum up here for movies i'll shout out to ari aster and christopher nolan beautiful yes beautiful human beings great movies both from them a lot of good content but i'm actually going to talk about books i'm more i'm more of a reader than anything else um and the past decade has been huge for young adult early adult fantasy novels okay the amount that have come out 
just even within like the past year or two, but in the 10 years alone is absurd. I can't keep up with it. I don't keep up with it, frankly, not as much as I should and want to, but just multiple um, series. I've mentioned her before, but Lee Bardugo's had, what is it, six books. They're kind of all in a universe, but she also has a new adult fantasy novel. Um, V.E. Schwab's another one, Victoria Aviart, like just... I don't know. I think they're representing pretty well for that community and giving a lot of content. A lot of those are going to be made into TV shows and movies that I'm very excited nice. about. But yeah. All right. Oh, I um, I can't relate. I've been reading decades old mystery novels, so okay. That's, but that's kind of fun though too. So. That's fun. It's yeah. These detective novels. I'm not even. Yeah, it's not even related to <laughs> anything we're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. But I I definitely I'll I'll give a nice nod to that. Um. I think yeah, it's been a great literary decade. The yeah, especially as the I could go on for hours, so I won't. But the, small the young adult section is still relatively new in the world of yeah. literature. Yeah, and fiction. absolutely. But the like I remember going to Barnes and Noble ten years ago, and there being one shelf front and back. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now you go there, and there's five shelves Huge front section. and back, and yeah. it just. I don't know. It just it's expanded so much just within ten years. It's very encouraging knowing that there's young people out there reading more. Absolutely, like it's still everyone's like, oh, it's dying. Well, not really. It's just I, it's I a was, different medium for. I, I was just gonna say, I think the s- small bookstore, and to an extent, reading has made a huge comeback. Not huge, mm-hmm. but as, as making a comeback. No, um, I think so too. People are people thought that books were dead with the introduction of like the Kindle and the Nook. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not true. There's no something profoundly human about picking up a paper I don't a think paper book. books in any capacity will ever disappear no like obviously there's like textbooks and stuff but I still think that like you said there's a thing if you're able to have a physical book like obviously some people can't they have to have audiobooks or whatever yeah. but um if you're able to I think that's just something that people like to do you can mark it up you can I don't just having like that physical thing yeah helps Yep, I, I would agree. Um, so shout out to books. Shout out to books. Yes, all my book people out there, I'm here for you. We'll we'll do a we'll do a topic next season we'll, or two about books. I'll I'll be sure of that. We'll we'll get it. Um, okay. And uh, you want to get into the latest news? Yeah, huh? I'll do wrap our, it up our last news. bit of latest news. Um, starting on a downer, I guess. Which sorry, but. Juice World was an up-and-coming rapper, and he died last week after suffering a seizure at Chicago's Midway Airport. He was only 21 years old, and he released two studio albums, Goodbye and Good Riddance and Death Race for Love, but people were saying it was kind of eerie that he died because one of the lyrics in his song, uh, what song? Speaking of theories. Speaking of theories was what's the 27 club we ain't making it past 21 and the 27 club is this whole thing of like weird celebrities dying at the age of 27 that's just like this whole thing Mm. but he said we're not making past 21 and then he died and he was only 21 and so that's just kind of a weird thing sucks that he's gone but that is too bad very young that's my age i'm that's yeah putting that perspective scary yeah Yeah. scary very sad and we'll miss him um all right Baby Yoda meme. I just want to give a shout out to the Baby Yoda meme. And also just because we were talking about streaming services and we're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know if they'll really pan out. But clearly Disney Plus is panning out no, because that yeah. meme is everywhere. Yeah. So just kind of a follow up to that. 
Baby Yoda. At least Disney Plus is working. We'll see about everything else. For right now, it is definitely very popular. It is making a media impact. Yeah. Um. All right. And then your last bit. Oh, I want to. I want to shout out something real quick. Oh, there's go a for there's it. a tweet. There's a meme going around where it's making you choose between Baby Yoda and Baby Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. Baby Yoda. Uh. Yeah. That's what everyone says. And yeah. the popular one is um, I will. Make a fire out of Baby Groot to keep Baby Yoda warm. <laughs> and I love that. I laughed so hard. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, anyways, just wanted to throw it out there. A little nod I appreciate whoever it. tweeted that. Um, all right. And the last bit of news, uh, the Los Angeles Film Critics Association uh, named the class satire Parasite the year's best picture. And its maker, oh, I'm going to, Bong Joon-ho, uh, best director. Uh, the critics group conveyed convened excuse me sunday in los angeles and announced their uh, awards on twitter a few days after the new york counterparts or excuse me their new york counterparts chose the irishman by martin scorsese as their best film of 2019 um and the la critics selected scorsese's mafia epic as their runner-up film um so i just wanted to this is kind of just a shout out to what these major associations considered like the best have movies. you seen either movie i have not okay. i actually want to see parasite very badly i've heard amazing things about it i know very mm-hmm. little about it um i don't have any interest in the irishman i have heard a lot about parasite i want to watch it i watched the irishman over thanksgiving break and how was it loved it really i thought it was great are you a martin scorsese fan um not like specifically like i've seen some movies yeah, but yeah, yeah. never like oh my god it's my favorite director but it is just like the scope of this movie is crazy like it's a huge timeline but it's done well it's like a three and a half hour movie so like you got to prepare for it but it's got a great cast and it's um robert de niro joe pesci and al pacino it's like yeah martin scorsese's favorite i think it'll be and they like this comment says a mafia epic i think it'll be kind of revered as one of these classic mafia movies okay okay and it's more um not timely, but like I was watching it with my mom and she was like, Oh, I remember when that happened. Oh really? Yeah. And so like it's current, frankly. Um it's interesting. I'd like to this is there's been talk about Netflix making a run at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I, I think they did fairly well last year. This is one of the their movies where they put a lot of money and effort into mm-hmm. it. Uh, uh, they achieved or they nabbed one of the greatest filmmakers mm-hmm. ever, Martin Scorsese. Um I we get into it by personal care for a lot of his work. I think he's an excellent director, but he's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this is going to be one of those movies that's highly um, acknowledged at awards. Uh, it's it's Netflix's crack at creating, uh, legitimizing streaming services and uh, awards, award ceremonies, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd be, I'm interested to see what, what happens with that. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll probably check out The Irishman because it's on Netflix. Uh, like I said, I wasn't hugely interested in it, but um, Maddie's recommendation kind of swayed Get, me a little just, bit. Just try it out. Yeah. Um, I actually, I was listening to a podcast and they said it would work well as a miniseries if you just broke it up at certain points. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. then like came back to it. Like, and then you could flesh it out points. more, but yeah. it, it's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at that. And I think I'm definitely going to make an effort to go see Parasite, too. Yeah. You got to support those indie films as well. That's an indie film created by uh, A24, which is mm-hmm. awesome, awesome independent movie mm-hmm. s- studio. Um, they created some of my favorite movies. So 
gotta support the the small guys, you know, uh, the original we creators. We stand. <laughs> we stand with independent filmmakers. We stand we as we sit. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, so All right. there you go. Well, that's our last episode, you guys. Thanks for listening for the whole semester, and hopefully we'll catch you in february yeah everyone have a great new year and i yeah. hope your last decade was was a good one <laughs> it was a good yeah enjoy yeah. the end of the decade here's to new great content in the next one yep bye guys bye